Together, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. We just heard Caleb read for us a narrative about Jesus meeting a woman at a well and a conversation that they have together. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, this story is probably pretty familiar to you. And if you haven't, I'm glad you're here because it's a great story. It's a well-known drama, and it's usually interpreted something like this. Jesus meets a shady woman at the well in the middle of the day with some kind of dubious past. They have a conversation. She is convicted of her shady past, repents, and in return receives living water. This is how the story is often told. But I want to invite each of us this morning, no matter whether this story is old or new, familiar or unfamiliar, to set aside any previous understandings and to listen to this amazing encounter with Jesus afresh, because I think it holds the potential both to bless and to challenge us. So let's dive in. First, we need to set a couple scenes. There's the literary scene and the literal scene. Let's start with the literary. The bigger picture that the Gospel of John is trying to paint for us. And that is something that goes back all the way to the beginning of the Gospel. John chapter 1, where we hear that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood it. John, in his Gospel, throughout all his Gospel, is painting this picture of light versus dark good versus evil, and the light shines into the darkness, night versus day. In John's gospel, darkness symbolizes lack of faith or lack of understanding. Nefarious deeds and misunderstandings happen by night, but faith and understanding come by day. Last week, we heard that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, showing a surprising lack of understanding for a religious leader. But today's encounter with Jesus occurs in the brightness of day. There are other literary contrasts that we're meant to see between the story and the one of Nicodemus. And if you tuned in last week as Bishop Jenny explored that encounter, you may notice some of them. Nicodemus was a rich, pious male Jew who had everything going for him. And the protagonist of this encounter with Jesus today is the exact opposite. She's low status, vulnerable, unnamed woman of an enemy people with a different religion. And let me give you a clue here. This is intentional. The author of John's Gospel is making a point, putting these stories side by side. So that's the first, the literal scene, or literary scene. The second is a literal scene, a well in a hot, dusty, dry place a little way outside a town called Sychar, in a region called Samaria. To understand why this matters, we need to just take a moment or two on history and geography, so bear with me. Jesus and his friends are on their way north from Jerusalem to the region of Galilee where Jesus grew up. The only problem is that there's this wide territory called Samaria right in the middle. 
Now, most sensible Jews would go out of their way to avoid Samaria. They would go around due to a classic feud that went back literally centuries. The history is complicated, but in general, they disagreed vehemently on where the presence of God was to be found, whether it was in the temple of Jerusalem, as the Jews thought, or the mountain of Gerizim, as the Samaritans thought. And this feud just continued, and at times, it got very ugly. When Jesus was a little boy, around AD 7 or 9, the historian Josephus tells us that Samaritans broke into the temple in Jerusalem in the night during the sacred Passover festival, and they scattered human bones all over the temple to desecrate it destroying their sacred festival, wrecking it. Well, they did this in retaliation because a century or so before, the Jews had gone to their temple and destroyed it. So this feud was bitter and angry. To the Jewish people, Samaritan was a dirty word. And everything that belonged to them, water buckets included, were ritually unclean filthy and despicable. And that's the scene. Jesus finds himself in this enemy territory. The third piece of information we need to know is that Jewish men, especially rabbis as Jesus was, did not speak to women, especially Samaritans as this woman was. For a Jewish rabbi to speak to any woman, let alone a Samaritan woman, in public was to break all the rules of piety. So to summarize then, we have this Jewish rabbi traveling through an enemy land in the middle of the day. He stops at a well and he has a forbidden conversation with a despised foreign woman. But who is this woman? In many interpretations of this narrative, we are told that the woman that Jesus speaks with that day must be a prostitute, or at least someone of very shady background. After all, doesn't he call her out for having five husbands and living with someone who's not her husband? And isn't she visiting the well in the middle of the day when she is least likely to bump into anyone else? She must be ashamed. Surely there's a moral lesson for us here. But let's pause for a moment and ask the question if that's really what's going on. Remember that for the author of this gospel, midday is nothing to be ashamed about. Evil deeds are done by night. The day is associated with light, with understanding, with Jesus. That's the first point. The second is this. We don't actually know for sure that this woman had anything to be ashamed about. Notice the language. It doesn't tell us whether she was widowed, abandoned, divorced. Five times is heartbreaking, yes, but it's not impossible. As for the man she's currently living with, commentator David Lowe's points out that she could be living with someone who she is dependent upon, a caregiver. Or she could be in what's called a Leverite marriage, where she wouldn't necessarily be referred to as a wife at all. All that we can really say for sure about this woman is that she's had a hard life. And as we look at Jesus' language, 
we see that reflected. We don't see the phrases that we've come to expect from other encounters. Go and sin no more. He says that to other people. He does not say that to this woman. Or your sins are forgiven. Again, something he says to other people, but not to her. In fact, beyond revealing that he knows all the intimate details of her life, he doesn't comment on it at all. This woman's story may easily be tragic rather than scandalous. So why am I saying all of this? Why make a big deal of it at all? Well, the problem with assuming a scandal is that it becomes very easy to distance ourselves from it. It's easy to see this as a Jesus saves the woman at the well from her immoral lifestyle kind of story and to pat ourselves on the back for not being in her situation. But when we look at this passage with new eyes, we simply see a tired, hot, thirsty man who sees a woman coming to the well who is thirstier than he is. And suddenly, maybe we can relate. Maybe we find ourselves at the well with him, with her listening to him as he says that he knows, he understands everything that we've been through. And as he offers us living water. As we sit there in company with this woman, we see a man who is willing to break all the bounds of piety and cultural norms, who is willing to overlook centuries of bitterness and anger, who is willing to look past gender divides and religious divides and any other divides that we or the people around us might think to put up and is willing to offer us life. The wonderful preacher Anna Carter Florence said once that if she were asked to pick one event from the Gospels that showed the most about who Jesus is, it would be this one. See how he is so gentle with this woman. He takes her theological questions seriously. He shows her that he knows everything she's been through, whether it was her fault or not. And he doesn't turn away from her, but instead offers what she needs more than anything else, living water. Water that will spring up in her to eternal life. Water that will go on to bless others. And she doesn't hesitate. She gladly accepts this living water and she goes out to share it with others. And in return, she leaves her bucket, her filthy defiled bucket with him so that he too can drink and be refreshed. This is amazing grace, friends. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what our background or what our theology, this encounter with this Samaritan woman tells us that we, each of us, is invited to this fountain. That we, each of us, are invited not only to be refreshed by Jesus, to drink of this living water, but to refresh him as well through our gift of love and action. So as we close... I invite you to take a moment to reflect. Where do you find yourself today? As we gather remotely, 
as we try and figure out what life will look like in 2021 with vaccines and with variants, as we feel the weight of everything we've experienced and everything we've lost over this last year of pandemic, let me ask you, are you willing to let yourself be drawn into this story? Are you willing to let yourself be seated with this beautiful woman, this unnamed woman at the well, weary of drawing her own water, weary of drawing your own water? Are you willing to hear what this tired, thirsty man has to offer you? What refreshment he has to give you? And then are you willing to take that refreshment to others? Friends, he's ready. He's just waiting for you to admit your thirst. And when you do, he will cross any boundary, even the boundary of death, as we will hear about in a few weeks at Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And he will refresh you with himself. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus answered the woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Drink, friends. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>